Welcome to another episode of Comedy Wham Presents with me, your host Valerie, and sometime co-host Miss Perrington. ComedyWham.com is your place to go for features about all Austin comedy. You can keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at Comedy Wham or on our Comedy Wham Facebook page. And if you're listening to this podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes. In addition to podcasts, Comedy Wham brings you articles, album reviews, live shows, and now an events page for live shows featuring the best in Austin comedy in all its shapes and formats. Launched in 2016, the podcast project brings you funny people and their stories. As a fan, I like to delve into a comic's background and motivations and will usually take a detour along the way. Consider the interview a way for you to get to know the folks that make the Austin comedy scene one of the best in the country. Today, I sit down with somebody that I'm just a tad bit intimidated that he might be judging the state of my carpeting, and that is not a euphemism. Uh, I remember seeing him the first time at Fierce Smiled Open Mic, and he was just so different from what anybody else was doing. And if you hear somebody describe a comic as they are just being real, that's how I would describe this comic. Uh, he's had a phenomenal year racking up showcase credits and uh, including re a very recent headlining spot, I think maybe as recent as last night. No, nah, not last okay. night. That was uh, a couple of weeks ago <laughs> okay. at Jokesters 22 in San Antonio. All right. Well, not as recent. Uh, he works incredibly hard offstage. He's a single parent, runs his own business. And yet I feel like we could all use a little more information about this great up-and-coming comic. And now Comedy Wham presents... Lando Shepard, or can I say the middle part? You can say the middle Lando part. Lando Calrissian Shepard. <laughs> I'm going to start off uh, deviating a little bit from my icebreaker and get this, this part out of the way. My son, when I told him uh, who I was interviewing, and when I gave him the full name, he was like, okay, I know this is going to be not a great question, but he is a super, super Star Wars nerd. Okay. So he wants to know the origin of... For the so for the thirteen year olds listening to this podcast. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, basically, in short, um, my my mom and my uh, my cousin them they was they was Star Wars fans, man. So I'm I'm an eighties baby. Okay. So black guy, huge film. Hey, let's name the child after this black guy. <laughs> Which is not cool because he was a traitor. So, oh no, so, <laughs> it's kind of hard growing up in the ghetto, and you got a snitch as a name. You got oh, you named after a snitch. That's crazy. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for humoring me with that, Lando. No problem. Um, I I uh, do have an official icebreaker question, right. and that is one word to describe your past. Uh, one word, man. Man, that's that's hard. Uh, adventurous. Adventurous. Yeah. Uh, are you from Austin? Yes, ma'am. Originally. Okay, so um, you're one of the rare breed. Yeah, I'm an Austin native, born here, raised a number of different places, and I came back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm just gonna put this out here. I feel like people don't know a lot about you because I feel like you. Uh, you're very guarded with, like, who you are. You're you have a a very real personality on stage, uh, and when I've talked to you, even in and I'll just you know be completely honest. Even when I asked, hey, would you be interested in doing this podcast? I'm like, the response that I got, I'm like, 
oh man, maybe he doesn't like talking about himself. No, I don't. I don't talk about myself. I don't like talking about myself, but I think that I'm very open. Mm -hmm. A lot of the stuff that I talk about on stage is my life. Yeah. So um, you hear comics talk about, um, you know, how this is therapeutic and whatever. That's that's how I write it. I write out my feelings and, you know, my life on paper and just make fun of it. Mm -hmm. I'm guarded for this reason right here is you never know how somebody's going to take you. Hmm. So it's like, all right, well, all the stuff that's going on in our comedy community, you know, you have to kind of be like, hey, you know, I don't want to go that far, Mm -hmm. you know. um, And you have to develop a relationship with someone before you can go there. Um, Like, I've heard that Lando doesn't like the to hug and stuff like that. I mean, I'm nah, I don't. I really don't like people to touch me, mm-hmm. but I can be open. I can be open, but I don't know where that person is. Yeah. So I don't want to overstep my boundaries. That's that's the real reason. I don't want to know open overstep my boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's why I'm really really hoping that this episode when it comes out is going to be one of our most popular I think, I, think will. Will. <laughs> I think it will. I think it will. Well, A, you're going to promote the hell out of it because I know that that's you. Yeah. <laughs> but B, I think people are going to want to know, you know, what, what makes Lando tick. Um, so let's, let's start with some of my more traditional questions. Okay. Um, do you have any early comedic memories? Um, yeah. Um, I, I could talk about my first night going up. Is that your first comedic memory, though? Or do you have anything from when you were growing up that... You could think of, oh, I remember when... No, I don't have one of those stories okay. where, you know, I was performing <laughs> in the living room for people and everybody thought he was funny. Nah, I, I'm, I, was, I grew up, um, sure, I guess, I can, I can be honest, man. I grew up in a way that people didn't think that I was going to be who I am, mm. that I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of negative stereotypes. This is what you're going to be like. You're going to be like your dad. Um, you know, all this, man. I mean, uh, me and my stepdad talk about it all the time, man. He would have never thought that I would be a single parent. He never thought that I would have went to college. Never thought that I would have been stand-up comic. So, you know, just breaking down those barriers and breaking down those stereotypes, man, It's just that's just my life. You know, I'm an Austinite, and I, I mean that where um, we're like, we, we venture out. That's why I use that, that word to describe my past, yeah. is that we step outside of the norm. When yeah. everybody else is thinking this, we're thinking that. Why are we thinking that? Because we look at it from, a, you know, all perspectives, yeah. all aspects. That's why people love coming here, it's because we're not judgmental. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if that's what you believe, that's what you believe. Have no problem with that. But we can come together on a common ground and get shit done. Yeah. Is it the first time you went up on stage? Was it for real, the FPIA 2016? No. Uh, the first time I ever went up was at Mr. Tramps on a Sunday oh, night. Oh, man. Yeah, I went up to F- I went I went to sign up for FPIA uh-huh. and I seen that's when I first seen Lissandra um mm-hmm. RIP, yeah. you know, rest in paradise to her. May <laughs> may she be risen to the highest uh, rank in paradise. 
Um, but I, I, I hung around and to ask the comics, you know, I just signed up for FPIA. What do I need to do? And, um, they said, put together your best five, your tight five. And I was like, what is that? I don't even know oh. what that is. They say, man, you need to hit as many mics as you need to hear. I was like, I don't even know what mics you're talking about. I said, well, go down the street. It's a place called Mr. Tramps. Sign up, go up and do your stand up. And I went up there and I did a great job. And then a week later, I ate a bowl of dicks. <laughs> uh okay so everybody eats a bowl of dicks at some point in their early i want to know why why do you think you did great that first night i did great that night because some lady came came up to me and she gave me like one of the best compliments i've ever received and that was that uh you remind me of patrice o'neill and i was like what i was like what and nothing at that point, I had never written anything. Mm-hmm. All of that was just right off the top of my head, um, just dealing with, just talking about stuff that I was dealing with at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, I, I ran into Anderson Mill Pub. And that's when I, I sucked. <laughs> Well, that was one of my memories when I when I mentioned that I remember seeing you for the first time. It was at the Fear Smiled uh, open mic. Okay. And my memory was uh, this guy, and I don't know where in the sequence this was because I I suspect this would have been in, I would have seen you in two thousand seventeen or eighteen. I'm not sure of that timing, but I, I remember was drunk, thinking. <laughs> Well, I, I think possibly, but I thought, uh, I don't care if this guy is right, has written this set out. It feels so like from, just from the gut, whatever's on his mind, but it is so fucking funny what he's saying. And I thought, oh, there's some, there's definitely something there. Yeah. By then, I, I think I was writing then, but the, the. I guess where that comes from, that in the moment comes from, is writing about everything. Yeah. It's writing about everything. Not what's popular. Yeah. Yeah. Not what everybody is thinking. Right. You know, you bring out what nobody's, sometimes it's what they're scared to say. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, man, I don't like mustard on my sandwich. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, like, it's just like something like that. And it's yeah. like, what? Everybody loves mustard. And it's like, nah, I don't like it. I'm saying, why do y'all like it? Well, you know, you don't even know why you like it. You like it because everybody else say they like it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Won't you have your own voice? You have a, your own voice. Yeah. So just, you know, speak your mind, man, and, and, you know, don't be ashamed of saying what's on your mind. Yeah. Well, there, there's something, too, to the fact that uh, uh, I don't want to I don't want to out how old you are, but there is something to if you're an older comic and whether or not it's because you've been performing comedy for 15 years and you're in your mid to late 30s or you're just starting out as an older per- comic, uh you have more experience under your belt. Yeah, yeah, you're we do. not afraid to say yeah, I hate mustard. We've been through it. We've been through it all. We've yeah. been rejected. We've been talked about. We've been. We've had our fair share of flat tires and 
and so on and so forth, man. So it's really like, okay, all right, you know, even if you have a row of people that's not getting your stand up, it's like, who cares, yeah. man? But those people in the back, they loving me. They're loving me. Yeah. And I'm and I'm I'm gonna give them, you know, a show. Yeah. What was it that fueled you in those early days where you, and, and also importantly to that, so your, your first open mics, you're just whatever's in your mind, you're talking. Yeah. And then how do you get to, I really love this experience. I want to keep doing comedy. I want to keep, you know, working the grind to, oh, I should write things. How do you navigate from point A to point B with that? Okay, well, I don't like the name drop, but I will <laughs> drop this guy's name. Um, Kelly Shea is the first person that ever told me, man, do you write? I said, nah. He ah. said, well, you need to write, dude. So I was like, okay. So, again, I started writing about everything. The, the not caring part comes in where, like you said, the life experiences mm-hmm. and um, being told that I couldn't do something. Mm. Oh man, you too fat. You have you you're dyslexic. Oh man, you have a mild state of autism. Oh man, you black. Oh man, you're a black man. Oh man, how you gonna you know, all this. I mean, I've heard it all. I mean You've grown up that way. Yeah, I've grown up that way. You You know, how you gonna raise those kids? Mm. You know, how you gonna go to college and raise those kids? How are you gonna start a business? Mm. You know, and it's like, well, shit, I want to. And it's yeah. a burning desire. When you have that burning desire, when I I tell people, if you have a burning desire to do something, mm-hmm. and it's like, it's like, I got to do it. I got to do this. You're going to do it. Yeah. You're going to do it. Or you're going to worry yourself to death. You know, that shit going to eat you up. Yeah. You the, uh, regret is probably not something you like to live with. Nah, yeah. nah. So it's like, okay, man, what, what, what is it going to hurt me to have this experience? Mm-hmm. You know, I've been broke before. I've been, I've been hungry. Yeah. You know, so what, 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 this ain't nothing new to me. Okay. All right. I'll do it. Given these, uh, these stereotypes that you, you have, uh, felt, how did you feel walking into the Austin comedy scene? Because when I talk to uh, a lot of people that come from outside uh, Austin and move into Austin, a lot of times we end up talking about how welcoming the Austin comedy scene is. Uh, you're an Austinite, but you were uh, an outsider. Yeah. Uh, go- coming into this comedy scene, but you're good, and so that should give you credibility. So how... How did you feel those first, I don't know, when, tell me time, give me a, a, a year so I can at least time stamp your first, your first open mic. Man, I've been, next month I'll be doing stand up for four years. I think, okay. uh, I still feel alienated. Mm. Uh, but I think when the doors started opening, um, I, I'll say probably about a year ago. Okay. Yeah. But I, I knew that I didn't fit in. I'm older. My experiences are different. Mm-hmm. I don't have any um, Tinder jokes. I don't have any Uber Lyft jokes. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't. I don't talk about stuff that the because you have a younger crowd. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a younger community of comics that are in their twenties. The ones that are in their thirties wish that they can go back to their twenties. And it's like, I'm all right with me. 
I love me. I love everything about me. Mm-hmm. So I can only speak where I'm at. Yeah. And if they don't get it, then who cares? You know, I have to sleep with myself at night. Yeah. That's a really uh, important thing for a comic who does feel. All right. So to be honest, this podcast, you know, it's also it's talking uh, to the comic. But I think there's a little of what kind of lessons can we impart to a listener or to uh, a comic that's listening to this. And I think being okay with yourself is such an important lesson and sadly it doesn't come until you're older so you kind of have to slog through <laughs> well i i just tell the comic man just be you yeah you know if you're a nerd then be that if uh-huh. you're a geek be that if you're you know lesbian be that mm-hmm. you know because especially when you're performing in front of black audiences they're like dogs mm. and they can sense bullshit uh. It's like, oh, this guy's putting on an act. Yeah. Fuck that. I don't I wanna I wanna know who this person really is. And once you go through the icebreaker process, this is who I am mm-hmm. and you can make light of that, then you can go into your routine. Mm-hmm. But that just coming out, just going straight into your act, that shit ain't gonna work. Mm-hmm. Good lesson. Good yeah. lesson to have. Um all right, so I am still curious in the all right, we've we've given credit to Kelly Shea for getting you to to write, but you mentioned that uh, you're dyslexic. You might have autism on on your radar. Yeah. Uh, how how difficult of and of a challenge was that for you to start? Well, writing? that's just again knowing knowing who you are, mm-hmm. knowing knowing your learning process, knowing um, uh, your writing habits. You know, all that kind of stuff. Once you get that, once you get all that intact, then you can go forth. Mm -hmm. And again, you can't be ashamed of that. You know, I have the joke where I talk about I can't read. And, you know, that's just being, you know, real with myself. Yeah. You know, the troubles that I have. And like, yeah, but I'm not going to let that stop me. Yeah. Yeah. You know. When did did you start... uh, feeling like picking up this habit of writing was starting to pay off for you? When um, anytime, anytime uh, this joke wasn't working, I can switch and go to another joke and then I can, I can get the audience right back. Mm -hmm. Or, or, um, but yeah, basically that's it. I mean, being able to have jokes on every different topic and having a quick snapback on if they you get groans or you get mm-hmm. moans. Like, Ooh, I don't think that's right. And, you know, okay, all right. Yeah. You know, all right, that's your opinion. So, but, you know, again, man, um, just writing on all different topics and just being comfortable with yourself. And not, and not, I say that too, but you have to give yourself a little wiggle room. You know, don't, well, me, I won't say nobody else because it probably works for somebody else. But with me, I can't stick to the script. Hmm. It doesn't come off real to me if I'm just sticking to a script. If I got a whole set list and I'm just flowing with this, I get bored with this shit. Ah. I get bored real quick. If I if I have a weekend, I got 15 minutes slots. 
I probably won't do the same fifteen minutes if I if I got multiple slots that weekend because uh-huh. I'm I'm bored. You know, I want to talk about something else. Yeah, so that's a little bit about what I was trying to get at too. Is if your natural inclination is to just go off the top of your head with the material that you share on stage, and now you've added this new habit of writing things out to help find you know where you can be tighter with punchlines or tags or whatever yeah. how do you integrate with your natural inclination to- well that's when the um the autism i mean the um dyslexic pops in is because it's something my daughter i had to teach her too is that you know you have a gift it's not a curse it's a gift mm-hmm. you know and she was like what do you mean i said man it's gonna probably take you a little longer to get it but once you get it you got it yeah you know how teachers have to go in for a refreshment course? You won't have to do that. And if you do, it'll come second nature to you because it's already embedded in your memory. Yeah. You already got it. So <clears throat> when it comes to the writing process and, and whatnot, you know, the dyslexic pop in when I have a brain for it on stage. And, you know, I make light of it. Oh, man, I'm old. I forgot what I was lying about, and <laughs> I'll just go back to what, you know, I just make that transition very uh-huh. smooth because in the course of telling the audience that, I've already thought about two or three more jokes in my head that I'm going to just flow with. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's so hard to change habits. Yeah. Uh, you, you're incredibly hardworking, both from having started your own business and you're a single parent. Uh, to teenagers, much less. Yeah. Right. Oof. Right. <laughs> I just have one. <laughs> right. Where's uh, a drink when you need one? Huh? <laughs> That's a cheers moment, right? Cheers, yeah. right? To this bullshit. <laughs> this is kind of a, a a gimme question, but of of those three. Which is the thing that you couldn't live without? Uh, and I guess I sh- that's not fair. I, you can't live without your kids. That's not an option. Well, so, yeah, I mean, starting but, your own but, business n- and comedy. No, <laughs> let's let's go back to that. I think that's a good good subject. I think that is a good subject. And I and you know it will it will be my children. You know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, um, right. That's why I had to. Well, no, but I wanna I wanna the reason why I wanna go back to that because I know so many comics deal with what we deal with. And it's not talked about. And it's the fact that, you know, when I go out at night, I go in my daughter's room and I say, you know, you mean more to me than this shit. Mm. And one time my daughter said, why do you keep telling me that? Huh. I said, because I want you to know that this doesn't mean as much to me as you do. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. even when it comes to my business, I will stop it. I've had parent-teacher conference. And I'll tell the teacher, like, when you think you can come in, when you got a slot, I can move this shit back. Yeah. Because my kids mean more to me than all the rest of this other shit. Yeah. And when they're knowing that, because we do have busy lives. See, people think that we just sleep the three, you know. Some do. (laughs) But I ain't made it there yet. Yeah. (laughs) So... (laughs) We sleep to three, you know, we get up and we do whatever the fuck we do. And then we come up and we show up at the comedy club. Yeah. Bam, we're funny. No, man, we not. We, don't, we deal with life. Right. We deal with. And I posted this on my social media not too long ago. 
is that um, an audience member came up to me and she said, man, um, uh, you make it look so easy mm. just getting up on, on the mic. That that would be hard for me. I said, that's not the hard part. The hard part is burying a loved one mm. that day. Going home working, going home um, uh, getting a phone call from another loved one saying that they have stage four cancer. Mm. Right? Yeah. You know, going out, coming back. And then finding the person that you want to spend the rest of your life with is walking out because she can't deal with this shit every night because you're chasing a dream. And where's her time? Where's his time? See, that's the hard yeah. part. That's the hard part. But, you know, because we don't, I guess to most, we don't have lives. We, we don't deal with, you know what I'm saying? You know, only thing we deal with is drugs and alcohol, but it's much more than that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, when you're in your 20s, you have the luxury that that's all you you have and as you get older and you get more Well, we don't we don't pay attention to it when we're in our 20s. Mm-hmm. Because we feel like we're going to live the rest we're going to live a long time. So why why pay any attention to this relationship? Mm-hmm. Why pay any attention to this uh this job that we have? But yeah, I mean, I I just want to bring up bring up that because um, you know I know a lot of comics out there deal with that. Mm-hmm. You know, some are having joint custody with with spouses, and it's like, oh man, this is the weekend I got a big shot. I've been waiting on this opportunity. I really want this opportunity. Yeah. But this is a weekend I got my kids. Have you found yourself now that over the last year things have really been like falling into place for you comedy wise? Have well, you been in one of those catch twenty two situations yet? Yeah, not in that. It was a more financial situation. Than oh. that, but well, yeah. <laughs> it was like, can I risk it? Can I risk you know lo- losing out on this money to go chase this dream? And I was like, fuck it. That's what what I say save for excuse me mm. that's what i save for but i can i can only imagine i mean you know and those are the type of things that especially we as men don't want to talk about we don't want to talk about that struggle right there so but yeah man those are the things that we we deal with mm-hmm. did i get too personal right there <laughs> You got real. Was that that's, a Doctor Phil moment? Well, you almost had me tearing up at one point because <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, that's happened." Because you know, I had my own little gap of yeah. being able to get out because of something that that hit really close to home, and it's like, "Yeah, but that's when that's your priority. That's your priority. That's your, your kids priority. Or yeah. everything." Um, and there's only a small group of of fellow comics who understand that choice. So. Yeah. Um, but that you know that's... on this level on this on this level right sure. here but but like I said man when I talk to um road comics uh different headliners or whatever they're like wow man you know usually you know comics be in the green room talking about bullshit but you're talking about life. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, man, fuck, that shit easy. Fuck yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> that shit. They're half-ass drunk. You can fart on stage and they're going to laugh. Who cares about that? What I want to talk about is how, like, the other night we were talking, uh, me and a few comics, and we were talking about uh, spouses and whatever and why I'm not dating and all that kind of stuff. 
And I said, man, you know who doesn't get the credit that they deserve? You know, we talk about uh, different wives of famous people, but a lot of people don't bring up Bernie Mac's wife Mm. and how he was running three clubs, a full-time job. Now, they only had one child, but still, that's still a lot. And when you don't have the men in the house as much, you know, that can bring a toll on the woman, Mm -hmm. you know, and... You can't do nothing, man. And and that's and I'm bringing that up is because that's why I'm not in a relationship because you can only come home so many times smelling like somebody else. You know, oh, the other night you came in it was twelve thirty. Tonight you came in it's one thirty. Yeah. Like, well, you know, some of this shit is about networking. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but so, I mean, you're not gonna date somebody that do- doesn't understand what you're going through either. So, but yeah, but un- understanding is still dealing with it. Do you? Yeah. I mean, this is just me. Do I really want to put somebody through that type yeah. of yeah stress? Right. And do I want to push or trust that far? Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, I mean, I don't. Yeah. I guess because I've already fucked up a good relationship, I don't think I'm ready to do that again. Good for you. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> um, I, I want to go back to something because we did get pretty uh, real about, you know, what are the, the, the toughest things in, life's, in life. And have you, you do talk about real things uh, on stage, but they're relative. And maybe I just haven't seen you enough on stage. They're relatively lighthearted things. Like, you know, I love your Lane Bryant jokes and okay. that, that whole thing and the, the mustard thing. But have you, are you interested in first? And have you, if you're interested, have you found a way to talk about some of those darker things? Because uh, yes. I feel somebody like you. Yes, I have, but it's it, it has to be a quick jab. Mm. It, you can't dwell on it. Yeah. You know this is this is this is comedy. This is not poetry. Yeah. This is not. Oh, you know, uh, my dad. He was a loving man. He cared for me. He loved me. He touched me. He touched me. You can't go into nah, man. You can't. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like whoa, whoa, chill. You know like, all right, we get it. All right, he molested you, lady. Okay, all right. And, I, and I'm I'm sorry, man. I'm not here to offend yeah. nobody or nothing like that. But I'm just saying, you know, that's you. You can't. You can't keep beating a dead horse. And yeah. it's like, all right, we get it. All right. Yeah. Now where's the fucking joke? Uh huh. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It's like, where's the joke? All right, we get it. So you're you want to uh, you want to provide an escape for the audience. Yeah. You're not necessarily trying yeah. to be funny about reminding them that life sucks. Sometimes. Yeah, it's like you know. I mean, even the Confederate statue joke is like, okay, I'm a, I'm gonna talk about it. Uh-huh. We know what the subject matter yeah. is. Is is the Confederate statue? Mm-hmm. Now, who really gives a fuck about them? Like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I really don't care nothing about that, Uh man. That has nothing to do with the price of weed in the hood. So, you know, talk about something that, that, that affects me directly. I don't care about that. What about these goddamn gas prices? That's what I want to talk about. Why Austin energy is so motherfucking high? I don't understand this shit. You know what I'm saying? Talk about something that's real to me. That shit. You can't. You can't change history. It is what it is. Yeah. So, you know, that's not, yeah, man, I don't want to talk about that shit, man. (laughs) 
I just make fun of people that try to dwell on it so much. And, and like, you know, like I say, man, this is a whole, um, what what do they call it? Low hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's low hanging. Who, everybody's talking about that. Yeah. Who cares about that? You know, I'll, I'll bring up the, the fact that they're renaming these schools in Austin, which is dumb as shit. <laughs> and they're renaming them. Like directions, like um, East Side Memorial, oh. Northeast. It's like y'all gonna run out of directions <laughs> in a minute. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, shit. North, North, Southeast. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. It's like, what are y'all gonna do after that? Everybody has a history, man. You know what I'm saying. You don't know. You probably name it after this person, and it comes out after oh, yeah. he's dead. Oh man, he walked around all day kicking cats. It's like, oh shit, oh, we well, can't. We name not it. stand for that here. <laughs> That's why I'm broken. <laughs> You're good at knowing your audience. Like, oh no, we can't do that. We got a campaign against that shit. He was kicking cats. Oh no, what what have a cat ever did to you that was so wrong that you had to kick it? (laughs) But yeah, man. Uh, Have you have you ever have you tried experimenting with different styles of comedy, or have you just from the very first moment you knew that that the your style of comedy was going to be what it is well i mean i think i kind of i think i i kind of tap into everything mm-hmm. i mean as far as public speaking is concerned because that's why i look at comedy as like public speaking not on a um, political platform type but it is public speaking yeah and i've taken public speaking classes and i've been uh, a member of toastmasters <gasps> so me too all right. So you already know about the lectern and uh-huh. the word of the day, the odd counter, yep. all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that's what I incorporate in there. You know, the body language, voice fluctuation, uh-huh. all that using the power zone, all that kind of stuff right there. So, yeah. You're the, I think you may be my very first <laughs> self-outed Toastmasters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I really think you might well, I did be. Toastmasters in prison. I don't think that oh. counts. No, no but I think, yeah, Definitely we used to debate, does. we used to debate with other people, uh, yeah. free world people that used to come in. We used to yeah. smash their ass. Oh, I bet. Because we got time. What right. else we got to do? <laughs> so we got time, man. We'll get a, a speech together that's, uh, five to six minutes plus or minus 30 seconds and all yeah. that shit. Yeah. Oh my God. That is so cool. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so you know, if you're that's true, we'll we'll just do that little Toastmasters plug. Toastmasters is a great organization, yeah, it is. Yes, it and is. Uh, yeah, I could definitely see telling younger some younger comics who you know maybe it's all the drunk friends said, oh man, you're really funny, you should go up. Yeah. They've got to learn some foundational. Yeah, skills. because you'll learn certain things like crutch words. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Oh yeah, that's a bad motherfucker, um, ain't it? Do you ever, you, did they ever ring the bell for you when you used a crutch word? Yeah, yeah, yeah I've, I've done that. Yeah, I've gotten. Yeah, I've man, I've killed everything on that thing. You know, after a while, I actually I was so good that yeah, I was on. I was in the debates and against uh, free world people. Mm-hmm. So, um, what is that? Uh, I had a brain for it. What is it called? Uh, Table topics. I oh. used to kill table topics. Oh, yeah, I bet. So, yeah. you know, you get a one to three minute, you know, talk about a mm-hmm. whatever table topic that comes up, which is great. Yeah. I mean, but 
Yeah, I don't know why I went there, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> where were what was I asking? Oh, the style of comedy. What what? Yeah, uh, style you, of have com- you always known the type of? And you you'd mentioned you might have experimented a little bit, but uh, I don't okay, think what? I don't think because I mean I love all types of comedians. So when a person says that, oh man, that's the uh, deaf comedy jam type of comedy, it's like really. Hmm. I mean, I think if I was a deaf comedy jam type of comic, I wouldn't be getting booked at all white shows. Yeah. Um, if I was, if I was, this is not to degrade my my um, awesome comedy community, but we have a good reputation when we get outside of the city. Mm-hmm. We do have a bad reputation when it comes to audiences because they're 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 so used to a certain type of comic mm-hmm. that when I get to the stage, it's like, oh yeah, get ready for the next comic, Lando Shepard, right out of Austin. The what they say, Austin, Texas, the the claps get a little lighter, you know. And then when they see me, it's like, oh, what is he gonna say? Yeah. And then, you know, I would just start off with an icebreaker talking about their city, what I like, what don't I like, and how are these people going to try to judge me when, you know, da-da-da-da-da. Sure. You know, and that kind of opens them up like, okay, man, he does know about our city. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not one of the typical. He's he's an older guy, more mature, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, man, you do have that that... Compare and contrast when you go outside of Austin. Mm -hmm. And you have to be, the thing about Austin is, not to interrupt you, one of the great things about being an Austin comic is the the ability to adjust. True. Yeah, because we have, this is a melting pot. Mm -hmm. So you can adjust, okay, this is this type of audience, this is that type of audience, all right, they, they, they like dirty. They like really dirty. Austin, Austin no, I'm just saying the audience, the audience. Oh, this audience like dirty. (laughs) Okay, Okay. all right, let me get dirty. Oh, this, this, this uh, audience like they like all right, conservative. Mm -hmm. You know, they're kind of they want a light side. You can drop an ass. You know, an f bomb every once in a while, Mm -hmm. but you can't go. Yeah, man, I'm in my fucking car the other fucking day. you know, fucking with this fucking chick. You uh-huh. can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it allows us to adjust, man. And I think that's where the writing process comes in uh, into play. Because with me, most of my jokes start off with a one-liner. So if they don't get the one-liner, then I can go to the next joke. Hmm. And, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah. Do you study comedy outside of... Uh, that was a dumb way to start the question. Do you watch other comics? Do you, yes. Uh, like non-local, like, you know, yes. people's yeah. specials and whatever. I can tell you why I like them and why I don't like them. <laughs> yeah. I can tell you why it's working for them uh-huh. and why, you know, again, I don't like them. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, you have um, you have different type of styles of comedy right now that's out there that that are under the blanket of stand-up comedy when it's basically improv. Hmm. And um, one of the shows that are out right now, and I don't name drop, I know it's probably come back and bite me in my ass later on, but who cares? 
eighty the eighty five South show has a podcast, and they um it used to be like a live show where you had stand up because all of them individually are stand up comics, okay. but the format that they're doing their shows in is improv okay. because they're acting as an improv troupe. A lot of people from the outside don't recognize that, but those of us who study comedy mm-hmm. know that that's an improv troupe. That's not stand-up comedy right there. When you got two, three motherfuckers on stage, that's not stand-up anymore. Yeah. Because stand-up is all you, brother. Right. It's all you. Right. It's nobody in the back tuning up uh, a guitar None of that. Stand up is all you, man. Unless you're the Sklar brothers. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, well, yeah, we have those. I mean, but even yeah, that's it's improv an comedy. Role, that's right? improv comedy. Oh, you think even? I guess I don't know. That's improv comedy yeah. to me. But I mean, again, I'm not trying to throw them under the bus. But yeah, yeah. to me, that's improv comedy. Huh. Stand up is all you to yeah. me. Yeah. It's all you. There's nothing nothing else going on. Mm-hmm. You control the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Are, do you have any favorites that are on the national level? Um, I seen one of my favorite comics the other night. And this guy made me want to go home and start a fire in my trash can and throw all oh, my notes wow. in there. And that's Ron White. Oh. This guy did 25 minutes effortless mm. and i was like man that's what i want to do right there that's what that's what i want to be i want to die on stage that's what i want to yeah. do i want this is my retirement plan right here to be able to rock shows um um the late great um oh man his name was on the tip of my tongue uh Oh man, he played um Pops and Friday. What is oh, his name? Oh crap. Uh man, that's on I never too. saw my, the movies, but I know the act the, the Oh man. <laughs> he was the bang 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 guy in <laughs> uh Boomerang. He had the mushroom. Man, I can't even think of his name right now. But he's been in the stand up for a long time. Uh-huh. Let me see if I can Google it real quick because I don't wanna <laughs> that's a that's a legend. <laughs> Anyways, man, he passed away and um and he was still working. Mm-hmm. You know. It's interesting that you bring up uh while you're looking that up, bring up somebody like Ron White who's been doing comedy for a long time. And one of the the descriptions that you have of him is how he made it look so effortless and that was very similar to the observation that I had when I first saw you at a open mind yeah is is it's effortless and it and with you know it's kind of like the diamond in the rough you know you know that with time you kind of you know sand off or what i can't even use words uh make trim off the fat you you trim off the fat and there's a diamond there and it's just like it was you know the it's there the potential is is there and it's kind of cool when you you're going out to see comedy and you see something like that so you know, you're on the right track, for sure. John Witherspoon is there. His we name. go. Yeah, wow. John Witherspoon. He done stand up uh, with Pryor. He done. Uh, he worked the door at the comedy store. Uh, he stayed at Mitchie's um, mansion or whatever you want to call it, the apartment back there. Uh, so just watching his career from 
way back then in the 70s up until now mm-hmm. that he was still working. He was still working. Yeah. So with Ron White, man, guys still working. Yeah. You know, um, he was counted out a couple of times. Um, don't want to go into depth about his stories, but yeah, we comics talk and uh, he got a wild story. So <laughs> to see him still working after, mm-hmm. you know, all the stuff he's been through. And, um, but that's where, where I would want it to be, man, to make it seem like we're in a moment. We're in a moment. That's why <clears throat> when people start pulling out their phones and want to videotape, oh. you know, that's a pet peeve of mine. Mm-hmm. And it's like, um, you know, please put your phone away. Right. I mean, because whoever's watching this on your Facebook, Instagram live, they're not going to get these jokes because yeah. they're not here. It's almost like they used to say, oh, man, you have to be there. Yeah, they have to be here to get this joke, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but, yeah, I've had I've gotten better at telling people to put away their phones. Oh, have you? When you I was them. Yeah, when I was drunk and high, I used to <laughs> cuss them out. And, you know, now I just, you know, I real calmly just tell them, hey, man, you know, this is how, this is how I make a living. You know, yeah. I make a living telling these jokes, and you're putting up that, that video, I mean, you know, I'm still working these jokes out. I'm still shopping this material. You know, people pay for this material. You can't, I can't let it, you know, and no copyrights on it right now. So please mm-hmm. put your phone away. Yeah. 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 There's only one comic that can, that I think can get away with having their phone on stage. Who is it? And you've probably seen the joke, the, the Zach Brooks. And oh, Zach Brooks, yeah. 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 He can do it. Nobody else. Yeah. <laughs> Be better. Step up. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I want to do a little cross plug because Ron White was on a podcast. Uh, there's a, guy, a gentleman named Stuart Goldsmith. He's a British comic. That sounds and uh, he does the comedian's Jewish. comedian. Uh, I don't know. He's out of England. <laughs> and he does a podcast called the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. And the last two, South by Southwest's. He has interviewed comics that were also performing at South by. And one of the best uh interviews he did was with ron white and you can go find the comics the comedians remind me to um because this podcast probably won't come out um for a while Mm -hmm. but before i post on my social media remind me to give you some news that i got right before i got here but you can go ahead okay all right um, (laughs) yeah so if for anybody that is interested in ron white's story uh and how he has you know kind of the ups and downs of a career uh that he he was very open and honest and you got uh, an immense amount of respect for him as a person as well as a comic by by uh, uh, listening to that that podcast. So enough about promoting other people's podcasts. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's why I was kind of leery about going into the yeah. other one. I was like, oh, should I say this? Um, uh, let's see. What else do I want to ask you? So you have had a really great year. Uh, do you give yourself credit for the great year? That no, I don't. Having? I don't. I still think I suck. <laughs> um, it's amazing to be asked to be on podcasts mm-hmm. like this. Um, Come on, you've been on the Gross Lonely Boys. That's like yeah, you know, that's and I got a lot of <laughs> lot of people, man, a lot of fan base from that, man. I was like, what? Y'all was listening to that bullshit? That's, that's such like, a dumb yeah. podcast. I miss it so much. <laughs> 
So, but yeah, but even when they asked me, it was like, where are you on me? On that, well, like, that's yeah. how you, I felt when I asked you. Yeah, I was like, what, you want me on that, man? Like, yeah. So when you asked me, I was like, oh, man, that's cool. I don't really think of myself as that much of an interesting person, man. Interesting person. Uh-huh. This is crazy. I can't even talk. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, man, when I get asked to do stuff, man, it's like, wow, me? I'm I'm at that moment. I'm I'm not arrogant. I don't really gas myself up. Yeah. Like, oh man, I've deserved this. I've been working hard to get to this point. It's like, wow, really? Yeah. I'm wild, man. I mean, I get I'm telling you this right now and I'm having emotional um yeah, I'm getting very emotional just saying it because again, all the negative stuff that I was told when I first mm-hmm. started. You know, so it's just it's just a real blessing, man. It's real, real, real blessing to be here. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I guess if you've had a lifetime of being told you can't do this, you can't do that, people are going to perceive you as this, so you can't be anything else. It's probably going to take a little bit more than four years to. Yeah, it doesn't get to, any easier. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. I don't care how what milestone you come to. Mm-hmm. You just like okay, man. You know, I got to get to the next one. Yeah. So while people are congratulating you on this and that, you're like, yeah, thank you. You can, you know, and I'm very stoic. So I may come across as being an asshole, but, you know, I'm like, okay, thank you. But I'm my, my focus is on something else. Mm-hmm. So like, I appreciate yeah. it. You know what I'm saying? I'm happy too, but now that I've got there, I got to get over here. Mm-hmm. So what you see is just one part of my entire plan. Yeah. I need to keep pushing because I'm behind eight years. Mm. Are you a goal setter? Do yes, you have these? Yes, I do. I do set goals. Are you, okay. I have to. I love Jasmine Ellis so much, and one of the things I love about her is she has a vision board. Are you to the level that you you do a vision board? Nah, Even if it's in no, your room. no, that's that's ladylike. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, because the person who makes a really big deal about vision boards is Ron Funches. So okay. no. <laughs> what I mean by that is that women are very detailed. Mm, yeah. So I mean, sure, I'll take as, that. as a as a <laughs> Majority women yeah. are very into details. Yeah. Uh, that's why they make great decorators and so on, good planners, so on and so forth. They us, we just have a plan. Of, we don't know how we're gonna do it, but yo, we gotta get here. Yeah. Well, so, Ron we'll, Funches would disagree with you. And yeah. You <laughs> I mean, of course, as, as as you go along, it's like, all right, by this time I gotta be here, and so on and yeah. so forth. But you just start off with an initial goal. And then you can see how you can get there. Because mm-hmm. sometimes, man, I set goals. I don't know. No one in my family has ever raised kids, men by themselves. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have nobody to look at. Nobody in my family has started their own business. So I didn't have nobody to look at. Um, major in college. Nobody majored in culinary arts. So I didn't have anyone to look at. Mm-hmm. So nobody does stand up. So it's like, where do I, where do I search for this? Yeah. Where do I go? What do I do to research to, you know, be the best at this? So, yeah. Do you have any down the road goals that you'd be willing to share with, with us? Yeah, I do have some goals. Um, I would like to. I would like to book an entire weekend in Atlanta, Georgia. Hmm. 
and I would like to be able to do that. And and not at not at no probably not the biggest comedy club there, mm-hmm. but enough to where it's like okay, man, he got this spot uh-huh. because I mean. I don't want to have the story where I go to L.A. or New York, or, you know, and I'm doing the same shit that I was doing in Austin at bars and book libraries and shit like that. I don't, want, <laughs> I don't want to do that, but I want to build a name up to where, okay, man, um, he doesn't sell tickets, but our club can sell out. And if we can get the audience here, he he has the talent to make them laugh. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at. Um, and with my business, it's the same way. I don't want, I want people to want me. So I, I probably won't do a lot of advertising because my slogan is your satisfaction is my next referral. Mm-hmm. So I don't spend a lot of money on advertising, like I said, but when a customer or a person calls me, they already know from such and such and such and such that this guy is going to show up on time, sober and unarmed. He's going to do a great job. He's going to make sure that I like it before I even pay this guy. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's just having integrity as well. Yeah. But with the comedy, yeah, I want I want to be able to be known as that type of comic. that's going to show up on time. He's going to do his job because this is a job. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and he's going to deliver. Yeah. That is, I, I had Amber Bixby on recently, and that is. She's as, a cool chick. She's amazing. Uh, you know, she has a daughter, so she's in that single parent yeah. role as well. And when we talked about goals, you know, traveling and getting to do other cities was, you know, it is a natural step for her, but it's challenging when you have a kid that you're you're raising on your it own. It has to be and, worth it. Yeah. You know, to the comics that don't have that baggage is the wrong word. Yeah. Does, doesn't have that requirement. <laughs> yeah, you know. doesn't have that responsibility. I encourage them, man. Go out, venture yeah. out. Because before I had kids, man, I have scathed the United States. Mm-hmm. I mean, so if you have that opportunity, man, go, go, man. Yeah. You know, worst case scenario, you fail, but you got an experience. So, mm-hmm. you know, go out, man. Enjoy life. You know, but for us to have that responsibility, it ha- it, it has to be more on the table mm-hmm. than just that experience. You got to pay me. You got to pay me to go over there. I'm not coming over there for nothing. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't use the V word. So, I mean. What's V? The V word. Is it Valerie? No. What is it? I made Lando vacation, laugh. No. Vacation. Oh, vacation. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, so like going to <laughs> you know what I'm So I mean, I don't go on vacation. So it's like, oh, well, yeah. I was on vacation in Las Vegas. I did teach. No, oh. no, no. I got shit to do. Yeah. Got college funds. I'm trying to put together. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Tuition's to pay. Car. But cars to pay off and shit like that. So if you want me to come down there, man, yeah, you're going to have to pay me. Yeah. But that's, I get a lot of scrutiny from that too. Is that, oh man, you think you all that asking for payment. 
No, I, I, I don't yeah. think that I'm all that. That's not it. It's just the fact that my thing is, first of all, if an outside person, what I mean by that is, is that if a non-comic is asking me to do a show and you want to pay me peanuts, fuck you, dude. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. You getting paid. You doing this to get paid. Mm-hmm. So you need to pay us. Yeah. Just straight up. That's just how I feel. Now, if it's a, a, another comic and we're doing this for the culture and we're, and we're doing this for our talent and trying to boost up a market or whatever, then okay, man, I'll take a pay cut for that because I know you're on the same grind as me. Mm-hmm. But this outside person, this, outside, this promoter, yeah, yeah, bro, it's not going to be an easy win for you. You're going to have to promote. You're going to have to advertise. You're going to have to get out there with them flyers. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. your job. Yeah. Man, how many people you think you can bring? One. <laughs> Sit. Yeah. Yeah, man. Say that for somebody else that's excited and wants to tell their family members, oh, man, I'm doing this show. Everybody come. Everybody, hey, man, I'm going up and doing stand-up tonight, man. Tell everybody at the church and <laughs> at the synagogue, at the masjid, man, to come to the show. Fuck that, man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, as we start winding down i want to ask you uh because you you've been you've been so great and you've been very open uh with us what are what's something that you love about being a performer and something that you hate about being a performer um one of the things that i love about performing is that roar Hmm. that roar of laughter especially when you're a new comic and you've been doing shitty open mics from year on year, and you're like, oh, man, I really suck. Why the fuck do I keep torturing myself? <laughs> I'm saying, do I like self-inflicting pain? What is going on with me, man? Am I crazy? Am I borderline insane? What's going on? And you actually get that first booking to do a show, and you're like, okay, here it is. And you go out there, and you get that one-two punch, and you lay their ass out, mm. and that that laughter and the, the people hunching over, best high in the world, best high in the world, yeah. man. That's that's not a drug out there, and I've done a lot of them. It's <laughs> <laughs> not a drug out there that compete with that moment uh-huh. right there, and then you're like, yes, this is what I do this shit for. This is uh-huh. what I do if. Those people in the bars, fuck them. They have too much going on. They don't want to give me. I am talented. And you start having that self-talk. What I don't like about stand-up is what I just got through talking about. The business part Mm -hmm. and uh, doing road shows and traveling the chitlin' circuit and, you know, being promised to be paid this much, and then you rock the show out, and and it's a packed-ass house, and they're like, well, man, we really didn't sell that many tickets. Uh, and you're like, fuck, man. So I came all the way down here uh, for 100 bucks. Are you fucking kidding me, man? You know what I'm saying? And I can't bust the dude in the face because who knows, man, the promoter might be kin to the owner, and the owner, they're, they're both is kin to the sheriff that's going to come off and haul my ass to jail. Mm-hmm. That's also the cousin of the judge that's going to have me in here all fucking weekend. You know what I'm saying? That's the, that's the shitty part. Yeah. 
That's the messed up part of this business right here is when you got to deal with that. That's why I try my best to try to get in the club gigs where you know that everything is going to be paying out. You don't have to watch it back. You don't have to be paid in chicken wing baskets and, <laughs> you know, they offering you all this stuff. Hey, man, man, you want drinks, man? She just go to the bar, man, get all the drinks you want to eat, man. She go up there and t- then at the end of the night, well, man, you had a pizza, four drinks, man. So that came up to such, I was going to pay you such and such, but uh, now, uh, yeah, you ain't never been through that? Uh, yeah, I've been through that shit. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know all sorts of uh, shady stuff happens. Yeah, so, man. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy, man. You go to a town to pick up, the to, to go to a show and the promoter's like, well, man, you got to, man, come pick me up, man. Take me. How the hell I'm going to come? I'm picking you up and uh, going to the comedy club. Damn, boy, I sure hope I get paid, man. Uh, you don't even have a vehicle? Yeah. It's crazy, man. Jeez. It's crazy. Um, I want to talk about the, okay, for real now, but as, as we start wrapping up, I do want to ask about how did it go? Was that your first headlining a few weeks ago? No. Okay. How is it now that you can start headlining shows? I hate it. Oh, do you? Yeah. I don't, I don't like headlining. Really? Nah. Headlining is, is cool. I guess because I, you know, the le- next level for me is opening up for a major comic, mm. mm-hmm. right? Featuring or whatever for, sure. and then the headliner comes up. Uh-huh. So with being a headliner at this level, shit sound good, mm-hmm. but how quick are your jokes? Yeah. You know, because you're doing 20 to 30 minutes as a headliner at this level and you kind of get laxed. And you get comfortable because you got this this, uh. this time that you can kind of play with the audience. Where if you're the next level for me is open up for a major comic, and you got to be that comic that come out there with those quick jokes and those quick mm-hmm. snaps, and then you get off the deal. But if you sit in this position for too long, and then your next step is to open up for you gonna you're not gonna do too mm-hmm. well. I mean, to me. Yeah. That's why I'm I'm looking at myself it's like now, nah. so I kind of shun a lot of headlining gigs, like you know, unless it's like jokesters or whatever, and to see if I actually have that much material. Yeah. The first time I did it was that that was my goal is to see how long can I really go. Mm-hmm. So I talked about eating a bowl of dicks at Anderson Mill Pub earlier, uh-huh. and my goal was that. Since I sucked there that time, I'm going to come back and I'm going to own this place. Mm. One day I'm going to come back and I'm going to own this place. So I went back and I headlined that place. And I owned that place. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I am, I can say that proudly that I'm a Anderson Mill Pub alumni. <laughs> because that's one of the hardest fucking clubs here in Austin. Uh. And if you can conquer that club yeah. right there. I think everything else is easy smeezing. Yeah. Because you have, it's a bar setting. People are far off. People are at the bar. People are shoot, uh, shooting pool. People are throwing darts. 
people are not giving a fuck about you. That's just mm-hmm. the end of the day. That's They're not caring about you. Yeah. And you have to throw something out there that's so captivating that they turn around from watching those cowboys on television. <laughs> oh, what the hell is these? And if you can get them to come and sit down and pay attention to you, yeah. then you got something. Well, yeah. to end on a note, you've got something, Lando. All right. Well, I was going <laughs> to... Are we ending now? Well, no. I just... All right. Hang on, hang on. <laughs> I know. It's like, are we ending now? Are we ending now? I've teased it a million times that we're wrapping up, but uh, and yet here we are. Uh, there's more questions. Now, there's actually just one more question before okay. I'll uh, give you the, the floor to... Um, uh, promote and tell us where we can follow you. Your final question, one word to describe your future. Fascinating. I have no doubt. Fascinating. That's that's what my future is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And only reason why I bring that up is because uh, of not being the status quo of comedy, comics. You know, the the different person in the room. Mm-hmm. There's something different about that guy. Yep. So, yeah, it can be, it, it's very fascinating to go into a room of people that don't think that you're going to deliver. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just something about when them lights come on, man, I, I'm a different somebody. I put on a different hat. And I love it. I love every. I love doing stand-up. Yeah. I think this is, yeah, this is for me. I won't lie, you didn't want to take that from me either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, going back to that uh, principle, stand-up, it's just you. Yeah. That's it. It's just you. I won't even allow myself to take that from me. I won't, mm-hmm. I won't, I won't try to stand in, in the way of myself and just let it, let it happen, even though it's frightening. It's frightening. You know, when you get that roar, it's like, wow, man. Man, this is great. This is great. But, mm, you know, you're dealing with different personalities. Mm-hmm. So you wanna you wanna give the fans what they want. You wanna you know you wanna talk to them. You wanna take pictures, but some people take that shit too far. Mm-hmm. I had it where the other night this guy was touching on my face, and I had to hit him in the throat. Oof. But you know, so, yo man, you touching me too much. <laughs> I mean, he gave me a whole look. Oh, that's a bit much. <laughs> like, what the fuck is wrong with you, man? Yeah, no, but don't do that, people. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. We're not your little toys to play with, man. Yeah. We are humans. That's the whole, I hope that don't nobody else get anything yeah. out of this podcast <laughs> with me is the fact that, man, this guy is human. Yeah. You know, he does feel. Yeah. You know. Well, I mean, I'm not just mean, but you as well, man. Yeah. I mean, you feel, yeah. you know, and sometimes people, man, people step over those boundaries, man. It's like, yo, chill, man. Are you so funny, man? Grabbing all on you and shit. Like, hey, hey, chill. We can take the picture, but chill, bro. It's like, 
It's like a toddler that doesn't know when this playtime is over with. Playtime is over. Yeah. Uh, you got to get them back grounded. It's like, chill, man. Come on. We're getting in the car now. <laughs> Five-minute <laughs> warning. <laughs> Time to go. Yeah. They're still in play mode. Yeah, yeah, man. That one joke you said, oh, my God. That shit was just so crazy. It's like, you're drunk, man. You won't remember this shit tomorrow. You're <laughs> just in a moment. Bless your heart. <laughs> Well, that is a wrap on Comedy Wham Presents Lando Shepard. Tell us where we can find you on social media and tell us uh, about upcoming shows and projects. Okay. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Lando Shepard. I'm on Instagram at Funny Man Shep. That's S H E P. Um, yeah, man, on the way over here, I got an email. Um, um, for me to confirm the um, Moon Tower Comedy Festival. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm so excited so, for you. Yeah. So when oh. this comes out, you know, most It'll people. It'll be out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that is amazing. Yeah, man. Oh, that's so something happy. I've been. That's something I've been wanting for a while because why do? I mean, I spent like over almost two hundred bucks on submitting. To other festivals, and I was like, "Why do that, man? I have a festival right here in my hometown." Yeah, and they don't take submissions. It's all yeah. selection. It's yeah. all who's who's yeah. bright out there. That yeah. is amazing. And those other places just take your money. That's right. Yeah. Like, well, we don't know if we're gonna get you on here, but we'll take your fifty bucks. Yeah. Oh fuck that. Oh, congratulations, Lando. Thank you. Thank I'm you. So excited yeah, I'm, for you. I'm excited myself. Yeah. Uh, Good things are happening for Lando. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed learning about how Lando got to be the comedic genius that you heard today just as much as I have. Uh, this has been Comedy Wham Presents Lando Shepard. I'm Valerie, and that's been funny. Thank you, Lando. Thank you.